What's up, Boom Team? Welcome back to the podcast, episode 26. Thank you guys for all the support recently. I uh, really enjoyed making these episodes for you guys. Uh, please leave a like, share the podcast, uh, leave a rating, a uh, written review. Those really help as well. Uh, follow me on Twitter at uh, Nutta28. That's N-U-T-T-A-H-2-8. Uh, also follow me on Instagram personally at Dakota.Nutter. Or uh, follow the Boom Team Podcast Instagram. It's just Boom Team Podcast, um, all lowercase. This week we're going to be doing the week 10 recap and then also we're going to be picking our games for week 11 and then I'm also going to do a separate episode later on this week um, about all the all the news with the NBA, all the trade rumors uh, with James Harden, uh, Gordon Hayward leaving the Celtics, all that stuff and it's going to be great. I'm really going to be turning out episodes hopefully here, um, especially once basketball ramps back up. But uh, yeah, without further ado, let's get right into it. All right, first we're going to hop into the Giants versus Eagles game. Uh, this game never really felt like it was out of the Giants' hands, which is interesting. Um, they looked a lot better in this game in this team. Uh, they played hard-nosed defense. They ran the ball really well. And uh, Daniel Jones had no inter- no interceptions, no turnovers or anything, which is uh, not normal for him. He usually, usually averages at least one turnover a game. Um, and there were also some key pass plays coming from Shepard and Tate that really iced the game for them. Uh, Daniel Jones had 100. Or, sorry, he had 308 all-purpose yards and one touchdown. Um, he also completed 21 of his 28 passes, which is a really solid day. Um, but you know, the the big thing for the Giants in these past couple weeks is um, Wayne Gallman, uh, one of the running backs who has finally kind of made the the running back role for the Giants his own. Um, in this game, he only had 53 yards rushing, but he did have two touchdowns, so he was very productive for them. Uh, the Giants are currently second in the division. And they're also three and two in division games, which is actually pretty impressive. Um, you know, because the Giant, the Giants have just been so god awful this season, but they've really been quietly turning it around. Um, and yeah, especially after defeating the Eagles, who everybody thought was going to win the division, um, I I could see the Giants winning it. Um, the Eagles have just fallen apart completely. Uh, there's no productivity from Carson Wentz. Um, you know, ex- especially in this game, but recently he's just had no productivity. Um, He threw for 208 yards. He was 21 for 37, Uh, you know, zero touchdowns, like I said. Um, And the Eagles' only touchdowns was a long run from Boston Scott that he just busted away with, and it was a red zone run by uh, Corey Clement, Clement, sorry, was uh, the other one. But other than that, you know, the the Eagles are just completely lost. Uh, The defense is still pretty solid, but it's not going to win you games, especially um, if your offense isn't doing anything. And it's really too bad because I thought the Eagles were going to at least, you know, turn it around and become some sort of a, of a respectable team by the end of the season. But Carson Wentz just turning the ball over more times than he ever has in his entire career um, in this season alone uh, doesn't help at all. So I'm, I'm kind of excited to see how the G-Men, uh, G-Men do, um, especially, you know, I'm a Cowboys fan, so I hate every single team in this division. Um, but it'll be very interesting if, like, the Giants could go from 0-5 to making the playoffs because, you know, we could have a team from this division go, like, 6-10 and and still make the playoffs, which is really sad, um, but that's just the way it works. But uh, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see how the Giants do. Our next game is the Packers versus Jaguars. Um, if you're the Packers, you know, an ugly win is still a win in this game. Um, for those of you who don't know, the Jaguars actually hug in, hung in with uh, the Green Bay Packers in this game. It was only a three-point game, and the the scoreline didn't go beyond four points. It was never um, a difference of that. Um, the, but it's still a win, and I'm sure in what many thought was going to be a blowout contest or at least close to it for the Packers, um, it was the complete opposite. The Jags kept it close and made the Packers actually work for the win. And like I said, there was no more than four-point difference between the two teams. Um, Aaron Rodgers had a solid outing, though. Um, he was through 325 yards, two touchdowns, and a rare interception, especially against the Jaguars' defense. It's kind of annoying um, if you're a Packers fan. Um, the star on offense, though, wasn't Aaron Rodgers or Devontae Adams or Aaron Jones. It was actually uh, Valdez Scandling. Uh, he re- was receiving 149 yards, a touchdown, and on that touchdown he even knocked over a referee, um, which was kind of funny. Um, but the, the, the offense for the Packers was pretty productive. You know, They only had 24 points, I believe, or was it 27? Um, they didn't score as many as you thought they would on the Jags, but they were still very solid. Um, it's just the, it, I'm, I'm guessing it was just one of those games. I say it all the time on the podcast now. Um, it's kind of a, of a shit excuse, but you know, it, you just have games where some teams play down to the, to the other team's potential. Uh, the Steelers do it a lot. And I think the Packers probably did that with the Jags in this, in this situation. 
Um, the Jags held in there for a team effort uh, with no particular player, like, really outdoing any other ones. It was just kind of, you know, they were just able to hang in. Nobody, like, went off in this game. Uh, Jake Luton uh, only threw 169 yards and one touchdown. He also threw an interception. Um, not a very good stat line at all. And James Robinson, who has been a solid back for the Jacksonville, um, ran for 109 yards in this game. He didn't have a touchdown either. Um, so, you know, if you want if you want an upside for that for the Jaguars is that James Robinson is a, is a solid back. Um, but other than that, you know, the Jags are just in a very difficult situation that they've been in for the past, you know, 20 years. So, um, but the Packers do tighten their grip on the NFC North in this game, which, uh, you know, like I said, you know, it's an ugly win, but the Packers, I don't think really care because as long as they keep getting these wins and they keep staying on top of the division and on top of the NFC, I don't think they really care. Our next game is the Washington football team versus the Detroit Lions. Uh, the Lions almost blew a enormous lead and almost made Alex Smith the comeback player of the year, like for sure, no doubts about it. Um, because the Lions went out and they took a 24-3 lead over the Washington football team. And the Washington football team ended up tying it in the fourth quarter. Um, luckily, the, the Lions kicker, Matt Prater, has ice in his veins, though. Um, and he hit a 59-yard field goal to win the game. Um, the, the Lions, you know, they, they have, they have a decent record, um, for, for the Lions, you know, they're four and five, they're, I think they're tied for bottom of the division in the NFC North, which kind of sucks, but, uh, the, the Vikings have finally turned it around, so you can kind of expect it, but the, the Lions are like, I, like, every week I want them to be good, I want them to pull off some, some miraculous win, and they have in the past couple weeks, but they've also pulled off a, a lot of very lucky wins, um, you know, like I said, they had the 24-3 lead, they almost lost it, but they didn't, uh, they had the Todd Gurley, you know, accidental touchdown situation, you know, they, they've had a couple games in these past couple weeks, in this past month, really, um, where they have just barely won the game, so they, they must be rather happy to just be able to pull them off. Um, Matt, Matt Stafford did have a solid day, though, um, throwing 275 yards and three touchdowns. Um, DeAndre Swift has really been the, the, big, the big story for the Lions this season. Kind of like if you're looking for something to cheer for for the Lions this year because they're not going to make the playoffs is DeAndre Swift. Um, he, had a, he had a number of runs to extend the drive, and he had, was a threat receiving the ball, and he also scored a touchdown. He, he didn't put up a ton of numbers. He ran like 81 yards, but he did uh, score a touchdown, and he was just a very solid. He's a very versatile player, and I think the Lions are very happy to find him this season. So that, that's, you know, that's something, something to look, look, happy, or look for and to be happy about if you're a Lions fan. Um, the Lions are, you know, it's a, it's a very interesting situation going forward though, because, you know, the Lions are like the cursed team in the NFL that everybody says, you know, cause they're always, it, these past couple of years they haven't been, but you know, usually they're pretty, they're pretty okay. They usually challenge for the, for the division title. Um, the, a couple of years ago, you know, the Packers and the Vikings and the Lions, you know, it was the NFC North was good division. Um, cause Matt Stafford still had, um, Calvin Johnson and he also had like Reggie Bush back there. You know, they had just some good players and Matt Stafford was, you know, playing at MVP level a couple of years ago, but that's not happening anymore. So it makes me wonder what the, what the deal is, um, with Matt Stafford. He's not playing bad, you know, two, almost 300 yards and three touchdowns, not a bad game. Um, and he's been playing fine all season. It just gets, it makes me wonder, you know, do, do the Lions want to stick with Stafford moving forward? He has an enormous contract, so I doubt they'd, they'd uh, I don't know how they'd get rid of him, but, you know, are they going to stick with Stafford and just, you know, hopefully, you know, keep going for a Super Bowl run with him, or are they just going to let him play out his contract and play for picks and stuff, you know, and try and build up, like, a defense that'll, you know, complement an offense that's, you know, subpar? I, I'm really not sure what the, the, the next move is for the Lions. They're, they're a very interesting situation. Um, but I'll be definitely looking for it um, in these next coming coming weeks, and especially in the off season to see what they do. Uh, the Washington football team in this game they just couldn't get the ball in the end zone through the air. Uh, they did have two rushing touchdowns. Uh, Antonio Gibson had two touchdowns, and J.D. McKissick um, had one. Um, but they they just couldn't get it th- like they just couldn't score through the air at all. Alex Smith had almost 400 yards passing. He had 390, and he threw 55 times, but he, they had no touchdown to show for it. Um, Terry McLaurin and Jordy, Jordan Reed, you know, they had solid days and they were, you know, soup. They, they did, they made plays, but for some reason they just couldn't find the end zone going through the air, which is fine. Um, but 
you you just wish you could because then you might you might have had another win in this uh in your calendar or in your your win column and possibly be challenging for the NFC East title because really whenever a team wins in the NFC East week by week um chances are they're tied for the top spot in that in that division. All right, Browns Texans is our next game. Um for a low scoring game, I really enjoyed watching this. Um a lot of great defense and offense. Um just oftentimes the offense came up just short. Um, the Browns running game is back in full stride and it couldn't have ca- happened at a better time um, as this time of year is like when wins really matter. Um, you know, you can drop a couple games like within the first quarter to maybe like third of the season. But, you know, the second third or the third or the third quarter of the season, that's when you really need to start stringing together some wins. And the Browns are doing that. Um, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt c- combined for 230 yards rushing um, and one touchdown together. They only combined for one touchdown, um, but you know they still they had a solid day. Both of them had 100-yard games, um, and Nick Chubb coming back from injury looked really healthy and he ran very well. Um, my favorite part of the game though was watching Deshaun Watson. Um, Deshaun Watson threw 163 yards and one touchdown, and he rushed 54 yards. It's not an insane stat line. But he was just—he was so much fun to watch. He was throwing absolute darts, um, like in the the touchdown pass that he had. It was just absolutely perfect. Like he couldn't have thrown the ball any better. It was between two players. Uh, it, it was f- like a flooded end zone. You know, you just—you you know, only one person could have made that throw at that time, and that was Deshaun Watson. And he was scrambling a lot. And I, I find Deshaun Watson so much fun to watch because his offensive line is so bad that it forces him to, you know, be like a, become a magician and just make some random ass plays that, you know, you didn't think it were possible or you think that he's about to get sacked. And then, you know, next thing you know, Deshaun Watson's scrambling out of the pocket and he throws a touchdown pass or something like that. You know, I just I find him really, really fun to watch. Um you know, or there was a, a play in the game where Deshaun Watson was getting sacked and he just threw the ball up and it looked like it was going to be intercepted and it looked like it was going to be a bonehead play, but he ended up getting a 15-yard gain out of it, throwing it to his tight end. It was absolutely ridiculous. Um, like I said, he's an absolute pr- pleasure to watch. Um, it's too bad that his team is as bad as it is, um, but it just showcases his greatness and his ability to make plays and move the sticks. Um, I do really feel bad for Watson that uh, they got – the Houston front office ended up getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins. But, you know, you just got to make do with what you got. And I think Deshaun Watson is the guy for Houston. Um, I think he's, you know, one of the few guys that would be able to actually make something out of a out of a, a team that Houston has. Obviously, they're not very good. Um, their record's not great. But Deshaun Watson is great, and I can't wait to see what he does in his career. Um, but, yeah, this game, uh, just to get back to the overall uh game look uh this game started off like i think half an hour later than it was supposed to because there was like 35 mile an hour wins or something um so you know it wasn't a very high flying game it gave baker mayfield an excuse to hand the ball off more but like i said the brown the browns just ran the ball down the texans throat and it was really it was a it was weather conditions built for the browns um because they're such a powerful running team and with, with kareem hunt and nick chubb you know in 30 mile an hour wins to where you can't even throw the ball so you might as well just hand it off to you know probably the best running duo in the nfl um, it was built perfectly for, for Cleveland. All right, our next game is the Buccaneers-Panthers. I told everybody that the Bucks would whoop, whoop the Panthers, and they absolutely did. But it didn't start that way. Uh, the Bucks started off slow, fumbling the ball. Uh, they, fall, they were falling down to, uh, 7-0 to the Panthers, and then they were going to score to tie it, and they ended up tying it 7-7, and the Bucks did not look back. Uh, the Bucks scored on nine straight drives and didn't punt for the rest of the game. After that uh, first, like, I would say maybe first 10 minutes of the game, maybe like seven minutes where they fumbled and they scored to tie the game, but they, they didn't punt for the rest of the game after that. It was, it was crazy. Um, Tom Brady had a phenomenal day. He was 28 for 39. Um, he had 341 yards passing. He had three touchdowns, and all of his touchdowns went to different receivers um, like Gronkowski, Mike Evans, and Cameron Brate. Um, the real story of the day, though, and the real show, like show-out player was Ronald Jones. Um, I, I'm guaranteed this guy won a lot of fantasy matchups. He probably won a lot of people a lot of money this day. Um, he had 23 carries, and he had 192 yards and one touchdown. Um, the Bucks learned from their loss against the Saints, <laughs> if you could tell, because in the Bucks game against the Saints, they uh, only ran the ball five times, and that's a big reason as to why they lost. Um, and now that they gave Ronald Jones the ball twenty-three times, uh, they you know absolutely slaughtered the Panthers, forty-six to twenty-three. 
So it was it was good to see the Bucks learn from their mistakes. Um, it was it was sad for me though because I I, I really enjoy this Panthers team. Um, I felt like they were like victims in this game and they were just outmatched. Um, and an even like worst part of this game was that Teddy Bridgewater went out with a knee injury towards the end of the game. Um, I haven't heard anything on it lately. I know I'm pretty sure he's getting an MRI, um, but I haven't heard anything on it um, as of late, and I've been watching for it. Um, the Panthers did have P.J. Walker um, come in for Bridgewater at the end of the game. P.J. Walker is actually the MVP of the XFL, um, and he was just a solid. He was, he's a solid quarterback. He has some real athleticism. He didn't do anything amazing. He only threw for 12 yards, but he was also in there for only like a minute um, before the game ended. Um, but he did show some great athletic ability and poise, and he looks super comfortable in the pocket. Um, he might want to shore up his his passing, like his his ball down the field didn't look phenomenal. Um, it didn't look like it was uh, it didn't look very accurate, you know. But it was uh, it was a very solid ball, and he just looked very comfortable back there. And um, I, you know, hopefully the Panthers will keep Teddy Bridgewater, but you know they should feel pretty pretty all right and pretty like somewhat safe. Um, I'm trying to figure out a way to put this. They should feel okay with PJ Walker back there. Um, and all you have to do is just limit the, the turnovers with him. If he is in the quarterback and I think you could maybe win a game or two, if you have to have him have Teddy Bridgewater out for that long. Uh, the next game is the Chargers versus Miami Dolphins. This was th- I was so excited for this game. This game was a fun one to watch, uh, just like um, Cleveland and Houston. It was two young quarterbacks going at it, but they were at very different situations. Um, Tua and the Dolphins offense, they benefited from the stout uh, Dolphins defense, holding the explosive and high-flying Chargers offense to uh, just under 300 total yards, which is not normal for the Chargers. Okay, The Chargers, you know, Justin Herbert usually averages like 300 yards yards but you know they they held the whole team to 300 yards which is crazy um but and the Chargers also only scored three touchdowns which is a good amount good amount of touchdowns um just not normal for the Chargers they're usually getting about three or four um the Dolphins offense or the Dolphins defense sorry um they also picked off Herbert for an interception um and a block punt to start the game was uh, also very helpful as well for the Dolphins um, Justin Herbert had 187 yards and two passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. So he was still productive getting in the end zone. Um, he just wasn't, you know, throwing for as many yards as he usually was. And, uh, the Dolphins defense and their special teams, uh, once again, came up huge for the Dolphins in this game. Uh, yeah. And like I said, that, that blocked punt was, uh, so helpful. And it was such a, such a momentum, uh, starter it was like right at the beginning of the game. I remember we couldn't see it on our TV. I had to go back and watch all of this, um, afterwards, but we couldn't see it on our TV. And we, we were looking at the stat lines and I hear my brother say, how did, how did the dolphins already score? But there's only two yards rushing or something like that. Like it was, you have very small amount of rushing yards. And I was like, well, did they get the, like a big kick return or something? He goes, no, or he goes, no, the Chargers got the ball first. I was like, and they score, like, was it a, I was like, is it a pick six or a fumble recovery? He said, no, it was a rushing touchdown. I was like, huh? And then I went back and I watched the the clip, and it was the Chargers were punting deep in their end zone, and uh, the defense or the Dolphins special teams came up for the block punt, and that's how they scored. But so that was a huge momentum shifter. They're not even shifter, but just like a huge way to start the game and get the momentum on your side if you're the Dolphins. Uh, the Dolphins offense scored 29 points off of two passing touchdowns by Tua um, to Kachi, uh, Kachi, Jakeem Grant, sorry, uh, Jakeem Grant and uh, Durham Smythe. Uh, the Dolphins also saw a solid running day from Sullivan Ahmed, uh, rushing for 85 yards and one touchdown. This Dolphins offense and this Dolphins team, I really like it. Um, I don't know if they're going to go on some big miraculous Super Bowl run. I doubt that. Um, but the defense is one of the best in the NFL, arguably the best. A lot of people just, you know, say that it's probably the Ravens or the Steelers, but the Dolphins are right there with them. The special teams is very, very well coached. They're very uh, professional. They don't make a lot of mistakes. Um, and Tua is a very solid, solid quarterback. We're seeing it as we go. Uh, you know, especially after the Cardinals game and the Rams game, I think everybody has kind of been like, okay, Tua is the, Tua Tua is a good quarterback. Okay. And, um, uh, you also, you have, uh, Devontae Parker, you have Jakeem Grant, uh, Durham Smythe was a great quarter or was a great receiver in this game. Uh, Mike Gesicki is a really athletic tight end. And this, uh, Sullivan Ahmed, uh, was a solid running back in this game. So this offense is very productive and it complements the defense and the special teams very well. 
Um, like I said for the uh, for the Dolphins, but I just want to iterate for both of these teams um, that both of them are very fun to watch. The Chargers' offense is also going to be great to watch, especially once they get Austin Eckler back, because um, you have Eckler, Justin Herbert, uh, Keenan Allen, Mike Mike Williams, and Hunter Henry. It, you know they're they're just super solid offenses. And it's really sad to say that we're probably only going to see one of these teams in the playoffs, um, that being the Dolphins. But the future is exceptionally bright for both of these teams, and I cannot wait to see where both of these quarterbacks go and where both of these teams go in the future. All right, next up was the Steelers versus Bengals game. Uh, The Steelers ended up absolutely just slaughtering the Bengals in this game. I think it was like 37-10, something like that. They just absolutely whooped them. Uh, Joe Burrows and the Bengals, I said Burrows, I said it with an S, it's Joe Burrow. <laughs> Joe Burrow and the Bengals put up a good fight uh, for what they could. It, this was really like, you know, just like big brother, just messing around with little brother, really. Um, but you could easily tell in this game that one team was at their highest and one team was on their way there. Because um, the Bengals, for you know the scoreline not really showing it, the Bengals did put up a good fight in this game. They had they had they were able to move the ball, um, but really only at the mercy of the Steelers' defense. Um, but you know this is a young and talented team, and after trading for or maybe drafting some young offensive linemen and a couple defensive backs, this Bengals team is going to be one to to put up a fight, and they're going to really show show up in these next couple of years. They're going to be a lot better, and they're going to be able to hold a candle to these better teams in the NFL. Um, and that's what I'm more excited for for the Bengals when I uh, when I watch these games. Joe Burrow threw uh, 21 for 40 passes. He was 213 yards completed, and he had one touchdown to T. Higgins. Um, T. Higgins, who also had a huge day and received 115 yards. Um, you know, the, and just to show right now, just to go back to that offensive line um, comment that I made, is that Joe Burrows was also sacked four times in this game. He was pressured a ton of times. He was hit a bunch of times. Um, you could just see it that the, he had no help back there when it came to just trying to get the ball off or even you know hold on to it. Uh, and like I said, the Steelers were like the big brother in this game, just moving the ball at will. And players like Deontay Johnson had a career day. Deontay Johnson was 6 for 11 receiving. He had 116 yards and one touchdown. Um, ben Roethlisberger was, quietly had a really good day, throwing 313 yards and four touchdowns to each of his core receivers, um, that being Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster had one, and Chase Claypool had two. Um, the Steelers' defense really just imposed their will on the Bengals' offense, pressuring Burrow and forcing him, forcing him out of the pocket. Um, the defense and special teams also caused two fumbles. So, you know, they, they did what everybody thought that the, the Steelers were going to do to the Bengals. Um, yeah, but like I said, you could just really tell that there was one team that was at their highest in this game, and they're going to be, you know, a contender this year. And there's one team that's not quite there yet, but, you know, they have some new pieces. They're very happy with what they got, and they'll hopefully be on their way there in a couple years. And no, I'm not a Bengals fan. I just really like to watch this team. All right, our next game, my my game of the my game of the week. For some reason, the game America's game of the week this week was uh, the Niners versus the Saints. I didn't really understand why it was um, because the Bills Cardinals was going on at the same time, and it was it was fantastic. Um, what it was seriously what a game, it, and it was all built up to what it was supposed to be too. It was high scoring, it was nail biting, and it was turnover causing madness, and that's what I love. Okay, not everybody likes to see turnovers, but I like to watch them in football every now and then because it just, especially if it's a close score of, of a game, and it gets down to like the fourth quarter, and you're throwing interceptions or fumbles getting caused. That's what I love because it's like, oh my god, the momentum shift. Um, but really, either team deserved this win, but I think the Cardinals won this game um, because of three reasons. Uh, number one was two interceptions by Josh Allen, um, one late in the third, and then one midway through the fourth. Those are like the parts of those are the the two parts of the game where you really don't want to throw interceptions at all, and he threw two at those times. Uh, number two, the Bills didn't score from ten minutes left in the third, and they didn't score until thirty nine seconds left in the game. Because the Bills were all, all over the, the Cardinals in this game. Um, but I'll get to that in a minute. Um, and number three, just just one reason and one reason alone is DeAndre Hopkins. Um, <laughs> um, Kyler Murray gained uh, 306 all-purpose yards in this game. Um, he had three touchdowns, and two of those touchdowns were rushing. Um, his only passing touchdown was the Hail Mary pass at the end of the game. Um, that we saw to DeAndre Hopkins. That like We've all seen it. If you follow Bleacher Report, you've probably seen it 18 times. Um, and Murray did show that he is elite, and that uh, this win also adds to the Seahawks to the Seahawks win in you know the the Cardinals you know solid category of like uh, good opponents you know the wins that they can get against good opponents for me. Um, 
And Hopkins also led the way for the for the receivers with 127 yards on seven catches and one touchdown. Um, and Kenyon Drake also had a great day with 100 yards on 16 carries. The Cardinals were very tough in this game. They faced a lot of adversity. They were down, I think it was like 16 to like nine or something at some point. And then the the Bills ended up reaching like 20, I think it was 24, uh, 24 points or something. They were in the 20s before the, the Cardinals could even get more than 10 points. So they faced a lot of adversity. And the fact that they were even able to come back in this game um, made it all that much of a, of a good game. Uh, the Bills, however, they did they scored on five out of their seven uh, first seven possessions um, until the INT in the third quarter uh, or the interception in the third quarter. Um, only three of the drives that the Bills had ended in touchdowns. Um, uh, Bills had a lot of drives ending in field goals, and they thank Christ for Gall- or for uh, Tyler Bass because this guy they're they're a kicker. Okay, he's in the kickers club this week. He kicked uh, three field goals that obviously weren't extra points. He kicked three field goals. He went three for three and all of his field goals were from this yardage. There was one from 54 yards, one from 55 yards, and then the longest was from 58 yards, okay? And they all went in. He was absolutely on point. He had ice in his veins and the Bills, you know, they got nine free points out of that, which is absolutely crazy. Um, the Bills couldn't finish as many drives as they wanted to in this game, though. Like I said, you know, they had a lot of a lot of possessions where, you know, either ended in field goal or they ended in punt or as an interception. And, you know, if, if you even if you look at it and you just take one of Tyler Bass's field goals and you turn it into a touchdown, you end up winning by two instead of losing by two. You'd get 34 points to 32 points instead of losing 32 to 30. Which is, you know, that's just that's one of those things that you're like, you know, if we could just, just to finish that drive with a touchdown, we could have won the game. Um, obviously, you know, it, you could just sit there and say, oh, well, if Josh Allen didn't throw an interception, we could have won the game. But um, what the, what I'm trying to get at is that, you know, Tyler Bass's field goals were so integral to, to the team and uh, to the whole game, actually. Um, and you could have just, if you could just have taken one of those and made it a touchdown, you could have won the game. Um, Josh Allen was reckless from time to time um, with the ball, throwing it downfield, um, and he eventually paid for it. You know, he would throw it either in super tight coverage, or he would just overthrow the ball, or he just it would just, he just didn't look as sharp as he did um, in games past, uh, which was very odd for me. But like I said, he did pay for it with two interceptions. Um, Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, and John Brown—they all still had solid days. All of them had uh, seventy-plus receiving yards. Um, John Brown did have did get shaken up in the game, so hopefully he'll be all right because you know this is a very good receiving core. This is a very great offense. Um, but Diggs and Beasley did both have a touchdown grab. Um, like I said, this is a phenomenal game. I can't wait to see uh, these two teams uh, play each other either in the future um, or you know if they find each other somewhere you know very deep in the playoffs like a Super Bowl because it's obviously the only way they can meet each other. Um, but I'm sure it would deliver if they both somehow made it there. Uh, our next game is the Broncos Raiders. Um, if you wanted to watch a boring game, this was it. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Raiders dominated the the falling apart Broncos as they won thirty seven to twelve. And Drew Locke, like I said, like I said last week and the week before that, Drew Locke proved once again that he is not the guy for Denver. Okay, he threw four interceptions. He only completed fifty percent of his passes. And you know, before you say, oh well, you know, those interceptions might not have been Drew Locke's fault. They were all his fault. They were all terrible passes. He had a he had a, a linebacker who could be a defensive lineman pick him off. I can't remember what the guy's name was. It was something ski. That's that's how bad it was. I, I'm a, I'm a Cowboys fan. Okay, and recently the the Cowboys had let go of Jeff Heath. Um, who was uh, for the Cow- who was on the Dallas Cowboys as a safety? He's more of a like a Jamal Adams kind of like hard hitting safety than an inter- like a like a pass blocking safety. That safety had two interceptions in this game. Drew Locke led a safety who has barely any interceptions in his whole career get two. This guy threw awful pla- awful passes. None none of these uh, interceptions were like you know um, tips off of the, his players' hands or anything. They were just terrible throws. If you go back and you watch these, you can see like you can watch the receiver that he's trying to throw to, and you can see there's somebody draped all over them, and he still throws it there anyway. Like this guy is just not it, and I don't know why John Elway likes him. But. On, on the bright side for the for the Broncos, uh, Jerry Judy um, continues to be basically the only bright spot of Denver. He caught 50% of his passes. He went four for eight um, and 68 yards, which isn't a great stat line, but you know he's got he has very solid route running. He looks like a veteran receiver the way he runs his routes, and he he's just he seems to be the only bright spot on that team. Is Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon are light, lighting up the world like everybody hoped they would have. 
But, you know, that's just how Denver is this year. Um, the Raiders, however, in the words of Dan Hansis, the host of the Around the NFL podcast, go check them out. Um, they are a good football team. Uh, the Raiders are a tough team. You know, they play the Raider way. Just win, baby. Um, in the way, in the words of Al Davis. Um, and the running backs uh, just dominated the game this game. And recently, I'm sure that, you know, like like I said the other day, I believe his last episode, that um, Derek Carr is my most improved player of the year. But J- Derek Carr also doesn't have to do anything some of these games. past. I think it was like out of these past two games, uh, jo- Josh Jacobs and the, the other running backs for the Raiders have absolutely gone off, and Derek Carr hasn't hasn't had to throw anything recently. Josh Jacobs had a great running game. He had 115 yards in this game with two touchdowns, and his backup, Devontae Booker, who was a recent um, uh, Bronco, he had 81 yards and two rushing touchdowns. So, you know, the Raiders have a solid running game. They're very they're very tough up front on defense, not so much in the in the passing game. They're a little weak there. Derek Carr is having a great season. Henry Ruggs is a solid is a solid rookie. You know, Hunter Redfro is a solid receiver. Uh Darren Waller is one of the great tight ends in the game right now. You know, the the Raiders are built, okay? If they don't if they don't make it far this year, if they, you know, maybe don't make the playoffs or whatever for some reason, you know, this is all just kind of like uh, like apocalypse, uh, like apo- apocalypse scenario. If they don't make the playoffs, if they don't do what they're what they should do, then they definitely are going to be drafting some DBs to make that uh, defense or that passing defense better. And then I think you'll see them maybe add a couple linemen, maybe or maybe a wide receiver, and they're going to be even better next year. I'm telling you, the Raiders are back. They're on their way, and just watch out for them. Them and the Dolphins. Those are my big teams this year. Uh, the Seahawks Rams. The Seahawks offense was stumped in this game by a hard-nosed Rams defense. Uh, the defense for the Rams got two interceptions, six sacks, and a fumble recovery. Okay, the the Rams exposed the Seahawks, and just like the Cardinals did um, a couple weeks ago, I think it was in Week Seven, you know, and the Bills did. The Seahawks are getting exposed for what you know they truly are. And you know, I I don't I'm not saying this like I don't like the Seahawks. I'm just saying this because this is what I think of the Seahawks. The defense is so bad that they that you know they're not going to make it anywhere and i've said it both time and time and time and time and time and time again um but people continue to say oh the seahawks are top of the nfc they got to do something no they're not going to okay now back to the rams <laughs> the rams passing offense took advantage of an awful seattle pass defense um funny though funny though that the rams uh, all of the rams touchdowns were rushing touchdowns even though the rams passing offense had a great day um all of their touchdowns came from rushing um, two by Malcolm Brown and one by Dan Henderson. Uh, the Rams' leading rusher of the game, with only 38 yards, though, was uh, Malcolm Brown. So they had all the, all their points came from the rushing game, but their top rusher only had 38 yards. You know what I mean? It, it was it was a weird stat line if you look at it. Um, Jared Goff threw 302 yards and completed 27 of his 37 passes, and they just had a great day. Um, obviously you're going to have a great day against, um, against the Seahawks defense, but, um, I was really happy to see, but like I said, that stat line was so weird. I'm um, just seeing two, like, uh, what was it? Three rushing touchdowns from, from the rushing area, but all the yards came from the passing area. It was very odd. Um, the Seahawks are now one and two in divisional matchups. If you're listening to this on Friday when this is coming out, obviously, or after the Seahawks Cardinals game last night, um, I'm going to put out another episode about Thursday Night Football later. Um, so don't come at me for talking about the Seahawks the way they are right now. Um, however, the Seahawks still have to play the Jets and the rest of the NFC East. They play just the Dallas Cowboys, so they still have the uh, Washington football team, the Eagles, and the Giants to play. Um, but the Seahawks, like I said, got exposed again um, by a team that's more complete and more likely to win the division than them um, and make a deep playoff run. D- DK Metcalf was a non-factor in this game. He had two receptions off of four targets, and Jalen Ramsey completely took him out of the game. Um, but the real star for the Rams defense, I know I'm talking about the Seahawks, but I'm also talking about the Rams defense at the same time. Um, the Ram, the real star for the Rams defense was uh, Darius Williams, who had a big impact on Sunday getting two interceptions and Russell Wilson for me is the quarterback who like I said before once he turns the ball over he's gonna keep turning it over um but you know the sad part for him was that he struggled to get the ball to his receivers because it was either he was getting pressured good coverage and he just had to take it himself you know he couldn't find anybody because the coverage was good and he was getting pressured he just the Rams defense was in full effect against them and Russell Wilson really had to do it all himself and you know you can't lean on Russell Wilson that much you know he's carried you to six and three 
and you know you have to you have to help him sometime and it's just not happening in Seattle with Russell Wilson our next game is Saints and 49ers uh the Saints won on Sunday but it felt like they lost more than they won um Drew Brees and Marshawn Lattimore both went down with injuries um Drew Brees is rumored to not return until playoffs that's that's a maybe you know they're you know it's very up in the air Drew Brees has a collapsed lung and multiple uh, rib injuries um which kind of makes you makes you worry um Marshawn Lattimore also didn't practice this week uh I believe it was on Wednesday and is likely to not play this week um the Saints are lucky though because they possibly have the best offensive player in football in Alvin Kamara um they have Jameis Winston who is a toss-up yes um, but at least you know that Jameis Winston is a seasoned player. Um, he's not a random rookie. He, you know, he's going to be able to take take care of an offense. Whether or not he turns the ball over, you know, you, you just got to have to wait and see. But at least you know that you have somebody who is not some random rookie, like I said, and you know, just somebody who's completely unproven. You know, with Jameis Winston, you at least know that he can at least win you some games. Um, take it for what you will, though. Uh, the Saints defense, however, if you want a bright spot, bright side, is that they have been playing like a bunch of dogs. They've been playing so good lately. Um, this game, they had two fumble recoveries, two sacks, and two interceptions, and they just played phenomenal. Um, I'm not sure if they'll be able to carry the Saints uh, without Drew Brees, obviously, um, but they have to they have to add a level of comfort to the situation. Um, I'm going to talk about the Drew Brees situation um, in a second once I um, recap how the 49ers did. Um, the Niners had a classic 2020-49ers 20, game. Um, it was injury-ridden, uh, turning over the ball, and they just couldn't quite keep up with their opponents. You can just tell that the Niners, um, they were so high last year, they were so good, and now they're just right in the doghouse. They, you know, they're reaping some sort of consequence. I don't know what it is with all these injuries, but I'm, I'm excited to see the Niners next year. I hope that they can get everybody healthy again and they can have Raheem Mostert and they can have Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle and Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas and all these guys, um, because they were really fun to watch last year. Um, I don't know if Jimmy G will still be the quarterback. Um, you know, the Niners, they, it's a very it's toss up situation right now. Um, who the quarterback is for them, but I think they're going to stick with Jimmy G. Um, cause he's okay. He's not great, but you know, the team was also so good last year that he didn't have to you know have a Patrick Mahomes level play so we'll see with the Niners but right now they're just they're just really trying to stay above water and just grab a couple more wins but uh, the season's over pretty much for the Niners especially with the defense that they're in if they were in the NFC East they might win the NFC East but they're not sadly um yeah and the offense provided false hope at the start of this game too I just wanted to put this in here because uh, they went straight down the field to start this game and scored a touchdown uh but after that they didn't score again a, another touchdown after that it was two field goals for the rest of the game um you know so Nick Mullins once again just couldn't get it done um to get back to the Drew Brees situation, um, it, when I when I looked at this and I saw the injuries and I saw that it was collapsed along, like it was all inner, you know, it was ribs, that kind of stuff. It wasn't like a shoulder injury or anything like that, um, which the Saints have gotten in trouble for before because I guess the Saints now are in some hot water and I guess they have been for the past couple of years because, you know, Drew Brees has had some like secret injuries, I guess, where, you know, the... The Saints haven't really told the NFL about, you know, Drew Brees maybe having like shoulder injuries or anything like that. And they just haven't really been reporting their injuries um, very accurately. And um, so that's causing them some hot water. But this one was obviously you couldn't hide it. Um, but it makes me worry for Drew Brees because, you know, you got th this is a point to where you have to kind of think about your health and your real life. Obviously, you know, he's a Saints quarterback. He's, you know, he's ride or die with the Saints. But. You know, this is this is like serious injury. This is rib stuff. Like this is like like structural, like inside your body. Okay, I don't know how else to put it. Like this is just this is serious injuries, and it becomes even more serious when Drew Brees isn't like you know Deshaun Watson. He's not young. Okay, I've been avoiding the whole situation of like, oh, Drew Brees is old. You know, he doesn't have his throwing arm back. You know, or whatever. It's not. It's not that. It's the fact that he's old now. He is old, you know. It's not because he can't throw the ball or anything. It's because he's older. You know, these these injuries hurt more and more as you get older, obviously. So I, I'm more worried for Drew Brees' health overall rather than, um, you know, the Saints, the Saints season. 
I also, just before I hop on, uh, hop off of this topic, I just saw as I'm recording this um, that Taysom Hill is going to be named the starting quarterback for, for the Saints, which will be a hell of a situation because Taysom Hill is uh, more of a Swiss Army knife than a quarterback. He's listed, I think, as a tight end sometimes or a quarterback. He's like the backup, but he can play tight end and running back. He's gonna be, it's going to be a very weird thing, um, but it's going to make it more fun to watch because him, he's there's going to be a lot of design run plays. He doesn't, he's not the most accurate passer downfield um so this is gonna be fun to watch now that i just added that uh <laughs> let's just hop right off the saints of the in the niners and let's go on to the ravens and pats and sunday night football uh the patriots looked somewhat like the pats team that we were hoping for this season um they played solid defense they held the top rushing team in the nfl to only 115 yards and they even picked off lamar jackson who is not the most prolific passer but he's not a bad one by any means i don't care what anybody says about you know oh he's a running back or whatnot he's a good passer um the yeah, so the defense played great, um, and the offense they finally, finally, finally unleashed Damian Harris. I don't like the Patriots. I never have. Um, but the second-year player out of Alabama, he has been averaging 5.5 yards a carry almost every game. Um, and when he has over more than 10, excuse me, when he has 10 or more carries in the game, he ha- he averages 5.1 yards a carry. Why aren't you running this guy more? Um, the second year player out of Alabama, like I said, um, ran for 122 yards and he averaged 5.5 in this game. Um, and Harris is just, he's so good. And I don't know why the Patriots don't use him more, but they finally did in this game. And against one of the top defenses, probably the top defense in the NFL, they finally were able to, you know, find their identity and that they're a rushing team. They've been trying to go back to this whole fucking passing scheme, you know, trying to get Jacoby Myers in there, trying to get... Keneal Harry in there, just run the goddamn ball. You have Cam Newton, who rushed for a touchdown, and he threw one as well, which was fine. You have Cam Newton, you have Damian Harris, who's a good running back. Just run the fucking ball. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, The Ravens didn't get the job done, as simple as that, um, in this game. Um, They did a poor job stopping the run, and the clock just slowly disappeared because of it. Um, Lamar Jackson, he had a fine passing day. He had 249 yards passing and two touchdowns, and he did have that interception. Um, this game just felt like a slow kill. Like, like they were just like a slow, like they were sitting in a slow cooker that you see at the store. Um, you, you know, you just didn't, you didn't know, you didn't feel like the Ravens were going to win this game, even though they probably should have. Um, and I don't think it's cause for concern for the Ravens. I think they're going to do fine. Um, but it was kind of like a, uh, it was like a visual representation of the whole season in one game, you know, where they were playing fine, um, but they just, they didn't win, um, which was too bad because this Ravens team still is very talented. They're just not nearly as good as they were last year. If the Ravens offense last year was playing with the Ravens defense this year, like if you took these two, two years and combined them, this would be a hell of a team. They'd be the nine and O team instead of the Steelers. And, um, that this this Ravens offense against the like against the Patriots defense in this game from last year, oh my God, it w- they would have absolutely steamrolled this team. But for some reason, the offense isn't you know just playing the same way. But I think they'll be okay. They're still going to make the playoffs. They're going to have a playoff run, and hopefully they'll be able to turn it around. All right, our next game is Monday Night Football. It was the Vikings versus Bears? I was I was I was oddly happy with this game. Um, I'm a, I'm a closet Bears fan. I won't lie. I'm, I'm a closet Bears fan. I will never say it over a Cowboys, but I'm a closet Bears fan. Um, and this game was the Kirk Cousins versus Justin Jefferson show. Um, I have ripped into Kirk Cousins before on this podcast. Um, but Kirk Cousins had a solid day, and he's had another solid day. Um, he's had, a, I think it's three games now where he's had over 250 yards passing. And he's only thrown, I think, maybe two interceptions in those three games. He's been fine. Uh, those other two games were because of Dalvin Cook, but this game was not because um, Dalvin Cook didn't have any rushing yards. He rushed for 30 times, and he had 96 yards, but he had no, no touchdowns. But Kirk Cousins, he threw for 292 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Um, the interception's fine. Uh, Justin Jefferson was uh, also a big star in this game. He caught eight of his 10 targets and went 135 yards. The kid is slowly, slowly showing that he is probably the best wide receiver in this in this, uh, in this this young wide receiver class that's going to take over the NFL eventually. Um, but I think he's probably the best one out of all of them. 
Uh, the Vikings did have a hard time putting the ball in the end zone, though, which was kind of weird. Um, they only scored 19 points, um, but and they couldn't lean on Dalvin Cook to win it either. But Kirk Cousins did step up to the plate, and he, uh, after scoring all their points on the on the drive that they needed to have to seal the game, um, he ended up getting the first down to Kyle Rudolph to win the game. So it was it was it was nice to see because, like I said, I have ripped into Kirk Cousins before on this podcast. Um, I don't like to do it. I don't think he's a great quarterback, and I'll say it till I die. Um, but it was, it was nice to see him actually have a good performance. Um, and it wasn't because Dalvin cook went off with almost 200 yards rushing. It was because he actually had a good game against a solid defense too. Um, the Vikings have turned their season around. I'm not sure how it'll fare when it comes for playoffs and stuff. Cause technically everybody is still in the race right now. Um, it's likely not going to happen. Um, but it, but it is a positive after a horrible start. So it kind of gives a little bit of life and a little bit of, um, uh, a little bit of hope for future Viking seasons, because then that makes you think, okay, our offense is great. Dalvin Cook is fine. Kirk Cousins is okay as long as Dalvin, as long as he doesn't throw it more than thirty times. Um, Justin Jefferson's a solid young receiver. Adam Thielen's good. Kyle Rudolph's okay. I don't think much Kyle Rudolph. And all you need to really do is draft defense, and then you could still make a make a run for the Super Bowl. I, I don't know if you will, but you know you have the pieces there. Um, the Bears. Uh, the Bears are just on a slow and sad descent to the bottom of the division. It's really sad because they started off the season so goddamn good. They were so good. Um, they've lost four straight now, and this game wasn't just bad for the whole team. It was just bad for the offense. Um, Nick Foles got injured in this game, but before he got injured, he threw 26 times for 106 yards, which is not good. Um, and he had no touchdowns before that. Um and Nick Foles' injury, I haven't heard much about it. Uh, the Bears have been talking about how they're going to like evaluate um, how he goes, and they might not change the starting quarterback position. Um, usually with Chicago, though, if they even rumor about starting the quarterback player, um, they're usually going to do it. So um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Mitch Trubisky in there um, in this next game. Uh, but, you know... If you want a bright spot, Cordell Patterson still he's still probably one of the best return men um, in the he is the best return men in the NF in the NFL, but he's probably one of the best in history. Um, he had he had the only touchdown of the game that he had to start the second uh, second half on a kick return, um, and for some reason the Bears just like they can't find anything good on offense. They tried putting Cordell Patterson, who's usually a wide receiver slash return guy, um, at running back, and he rushed twelve times, but he only had thirty yards, which led the whole team, which is really really bad. Um, so the Bears just can't figure it out on offense, which is too bad because, it, once again, the Bears' defense is really good, but the Bears' offense is really bad, and it's just it's a waste. It's really a waste, and it's too bad. I feel bad for Khalil Mack. And it's actually, it's actually funny because in the trade that so many people thought a couple years ago uh, was that the Bears won the Khalil Mack trade, but if you look now, the Raiders are 6-3, and three, the the Bears are only 5-4, and four, and they're on the, on the down low, huh? Huh? <laughs> but yeah, it's a sad time to be a Bears fan. All right, I'm going to take a little break and we're going to come back and we're going to make our week 11 picks. All right, now we're going to pick our week 11 games. I'm going to start with the Thursday night football game that I know happened last night. I know the winner. I did choose the Cardinals. I'm not going to lie to you. I chose the Cardinals to win. Um, I'm going to be doing an episode on that very soon. Um, but yeah, I'm going to do that again. So I'm just going to say choosing the Cardinals. Um, our next game is the Bengals over Washington. Uh, I think the Bengals are going to string this win together. Washington, for some reason, just can't get it together. Um, and I think the Bengals are just going to roll right past them and just not even look back. Um, I got Saints over Falcons. Even though Taysom Hill was just named as quarterback, um, I'm still happy with the Saints team. Uh, the defense is very solid, even though the Falcons have a tremendous offense. The defense is very good for the Saints lately. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Saints just rolled right over them. Um, the Steelers over the Jags, that's my pick. It's a pretty easy one. Um, the Steelers are getting closer and closer to going undefeated. Um, I don't know how they're going to do um, for the rest of the season, but right now I think this one, just uh, looking at this Week 11 pick, um, I think they're going to take the Jags and just absolutely steamroll them. A lot of these games I'm choosing are just going to be a lot of rolling. Um, the next, This next game, though, is actually my lock of the week. I have the Texans over the Pats. Um, I think the Houston Texans are going to surprise the the New England Patriots. I think Deshaun Watson is going to have at least 350 yards and three touchdowns. You heard it here first. And I think the Texans are going to be able to stump the, the Patriots, and the Patriots are just going to fall deeper into the vision, and it's going to be their playoffs. Hopes are going to be shot. 
Um, next up, I have the Browns over the Eagles. The Browns are a, a team that should be good. Um, they are good, and uh, but when it comes to the to the better teams, they just don't do as well. The Eagles aren't a good team, so that's why I'm choosing the Browns in this one. Um, but the Browns, like I said, are they're just a team where you know you can't really count on them um, against the the better teams. But when it comes to the to the shittier teams like the Eagles, um, it's a pretty easy pick. Um, I have the Panthers over the Lions. I think the Panthers are just a better team. I don't think their record reflects um, how they are, how well they, or, ugh, how good they are. Sorry at all. Um, the Lions, I don't think, are very good. I think they're they just have enough lucky wins to make their record look okay. Um, but I think the Panthers are a better team, and I think they're going to showcase it in this game. Um, I have the Ravens over the Titans. This is going to be a good one. I think this is. I don't know if this is America's game of the week, um, but this is this is going to be a good one in my opinion. I have the Ravens just over the Titans. I think it's going to be like a thirty-one to like twenty-eight victory. Um, I think Lamar Jackson is going to have a good day on the ground, and I think the Titans are going to struggle to get to him, especially after getting rid of Vic Beasley, um, just because he wasn't getting to the quarterback. And I think that's going to be the the killer for the Titans is their inability to get the get to the quarterback. Uh, next up, I have the Chargers over the Jets. I think the Chargers are finally going to seal a win, uh, another win. They, they're they so good, but for some reason they just can't make it in crunch time, and it's really it's too bad um, to see it happen to this team, but I think they're finally going to uh, seal it over the Jets, and I think the Jets are going to have a zero-win season. Um, next up, I have the Dolphins over the Broncos. This is just like I, sa- I said earlier with the Steelers and Bengals in this episode. This is a team that is on its way to being one of the best teams in the AFC. Probably like is there. Um, they're going to be there for a little while, I think, um, in these coming years. And then it's another team that's just plummeting deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And I think the Dolphins are just going to kind of go right over the Broncos. You know, it's gonna, I think it's going to be an easy, breezy win. And that's that. Um, I have the Vikings over the Cowboys. Uh, the Vikings have just turned their season around, I think. Um, like I said, I don't know about their playoff hopes, but they just turned their season around. They're starting to get better. They're performing better. And the Cowboys, they're just in complete shambles. So I think it's a pretty easy pick. Um, I have the Packers over the Colts. Uh, you know, this is this is a fun matchup because it's a it's a very dynamic offense with Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and Devontae Adams and this great offense that they have um, against the Colts' very stout passing defense. Um, I think the Packers have the edge in this one just because um, I think their defense is going to stump Phillip Rivers. I think the edge is that they have a functioning offense that's consistent, and the Colts don't have a consistent functioning offense. So that's what I think the Packers are going to be able to win over is that they are just a little bit more of a complete team. Um, next up is Chiefs versus Raiders. This is a lot of people think this is going to be a really good game. I'm sad to say that I think the Raiders are going to lose this game because I think the the win that they had against the Chiefs was just like you know that yearly divisional loss that you get um, that's very disappointing. And I think the Chiefs are, I think they're just going to really kind of get some payback over the Raiders for this one, which makes me sad because like I said, the Raiders and the Dolphins are like my two teams that. Um, shouldn't like that a lot of people don't think are good um but i think they're good and that they're doing well um i don't know if they're gonna be able to sweep the chiefs in the series in the season series but um yeah i think the chiefs are gonna tie up the season series one to one and final game which is a monday night game is the bucks over the rams uh i think the the sorry the tampa bay buccaneers are just gonna keep rolling i think this is gonna be a very tightly contested game i wouldn't be surprised if it's a low scoring game i wouldn't be surprised if it's like 17 14 or like you know, 14-10, because both of these defenses are very good. Um, They're very good against the pass. They're good about getting to the quarterback as well. Um, And both of these offenses, we've seen before that if you can get to their quarterback and if you can pressure their quarterback, um, that both of these offenses have a hard time actually moving the ball. Um, I think the Bucks do have the edge um, in the running game, but even so, the Rams have two really good running backs as well. So I think this is going to be a very, very good game. Um, This would be my personal game of the week. But I do think that the Bucks are going to take it over the Rams. And that'll be it for this episode of the Boom Team Podcast, episode 26. It's crazy to think about 26 episodes, and it's been almost a year since we started this podcast. It's great. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, please share the podcast, rate the podcast, um, write, net, write a review for it. Those really help as well. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Nutta28. It's N-U-T-T-2-8. Uh, follow me on Instagram at Dakota.Nutter, all lowercase. Or uh, follow the Boom Team Podcast Instagram at Boom Team Podcast, all one word. 
no uh, no capitals no nothing um thank you guys so much for following and listening to this podcast it really means a lot to me i love doing this for you guys and i'll see you guys on the flip side